Today we're going to look at the topic, the captain's wife. It's one of the great stories of the Bible. One I hope that will thrill your soul, will encourage you to walk with Jesus so that when he returns you'll be ready. Open your Bible, follow along with us, enjoy this study today. God bless you. I've entitled this morning's Bible study, this morning's sermon, The Captain's Wife. And I like this title and I must admit it's one of the few that I made up myself. I wonder whether you know what we are going to study about this morning, the captain's wife. In fact, I, I want to challenge you that this is one of the most inspiring stories in all the Bible. And I know that as we open the Bible and that we study this story, that you, you've got to be drawn closer to Jesus because this is such a tremendous story of such a tremendous young man. But before we go to the story, I want to set the scene. And to do that, I've got to take you thousands of years back in time to ancient Egypt. The ancient Egyptians were, and I'll make sure I get this word right, polytheistic. Not bad, Lloyd. I've been practising that. They had many gods. And in fact, I went and I did a count of the major gods that the Egyptians served in ancient times. There were over 29 major gods. In fact, though, the ancient Egyptians served not just 29, but hundreds of ancient gods. Now, before you go any further, you need to realise that the gods that the Egyptians served were not dead. In fact, they were live gods. And as they would serve them, of course, they were demons. The demons would come and they would visit them and they would work miracles through them. So the Egyptian people did not serve dead gods of stone. They were alive. They were serving demons. And Amun-Ra was perhaps one of the worst of these demon gods. And if you question this, you better go and read the story of Moses when he confronts Pharaoh the first time. And, and, and Aaron throws his rod on the ground and what happens? It turns into a snake. Then the servants of Amun-Ra... <coughs> The prophets, the priests of Amon-Ra throw their rods on the ground. What did they do? They turned into snakes, but the snake that belonged to God swallowed the snakes that belonged to Amon-Ra. And then we have a look at the king of Egypt, who was Pharaoh. He was called Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the ruler of two lands, the Upper Egypt and Lower Egypt. The Upper Egypt was on the Upper Nile, Lower Egypt was on the Lower Nile. He was all Powerful. His word was law. In fact, his word was often life or death. Pharaoh was worshipped as a god. We've already looked at that. Not only was he worshipped as a god, but Pharaoh was the head, head priest or the head pastor or the head minister or the head prophet of all the temples of all the gods in Egypt. And so when Pharaoh spoke to you, if you were one of his servants, you would listen to him as though you were listening to a god. Of course, Egypt is known for its pyramids. What are the pyramids? Well, they are nothing more than tombs that were built by the pharaohs for their wives. Interesting thing. Some of the greatest pyramids in Egypt are believed to be built by Hebrew slaves. Very interesting. There are at least 80 known pyramids in Egypt today. And it is to this land that we have been looking at for just a few moments this morning, that a young slave boy comes and his story, I believe, is one of the most inspiring stories you'll ever read in all the Bible. His name is Joseph. 
And today's story, today's sermon is found in Genesis chapter 39. Now if you have your Bibles with the background that you've now got, I'd like to ask you, I'd like to invite you to open them to Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. The Bible says, Now Joseph, because that is his name, had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officers, now look at this, this should give you a a clue of where we're going, the captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him there. Now, most of you know the story of Joseph, who was the son of who? Jacob. Jacob honoured his son by giving him a coat of many colours. Now, I've got to tell you that I don't know that I'm that enamoured about having a coat of many colours. But apparently back then that was something very special. And his brothers were what? Jealous. They were jealous of his coat of many colours. So so here's Joseph, he's got this coat of many colours, his brothers are jealous, and to cut a long story short, what happens is they grab him out in the field, they throw him in a pit, then they sell him to some slave traders who take him on the dry, dusty journey through the desert to Egypt. He arrives in Egypt. This is the son of one of the most prominent men in Palestine. And he arrives in Egypt a slave boy and he's sold by these Arab slave traders to a man called Potiphar. Now Potiphar is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. You need to know that because he was the captain of the guard, he was one of the most powerful men in all of Egypt. And Joseph was sold to this man as a slave. And this is where the story starts to get interesting. Genesis 39 verse 4. Joseph, who followed God, found favour in Potiphar's eyes and became his chief attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Isn't it interesting that people who belong to God People who follow God go ahead in life. This young servant boy, dragged from his home, taken across the desert to Egypt and sold as a slave, is faithful to God because he's faithful to God, he's faithful in his work and he moves up to the ranks until the Bible says he is chief in charge of Potiphar's household. Joseph, as a slave, has become a very powerful man. Verse 6 and 7, the story goes on. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, girls. And after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Now don't try and keep this a G-rated sermon today. But I want you to know that Potiphar probably was an older man Joseph was younger and the chances are because, you know, the most powerful man in Egypt would marry the most beautiful women. That's how it worked. In fact, it still works like that today in a lot of cases. You can see these old men. Have you seen them on television? Old men with lots of money, with literally one foot in the grave. And who do they have hanging off them? Some of the what? Most beautiful women in the world. Now get this. For this to be a temptation, 
She had to be beautiful. In fact, she was, I would have imagined, absolutely gorgeous. Remember, when Satan tempts you, the temptations got to be a temptation that you like. It must be alluring. It must captivate you. It must pique your interest or it is not a temptation. Now, we look at this story too often and we just let it float straight over the top of us. Oh, yeah, Joseph was tempted and he was able to resist it. No! Here's a beautiful woman who no doubt Joseph found attractive to look at, or it's not a temptation. And she comes to him in the flush of her womanhood, in the most beautiful time of her life. Married to this old man Potiphar. She sees this good looking Hebrew boy. He was built like some of these young fellows we have in the church here. Good looking, strong, powerful boy. You've got two young people in the same household attracted. There must have been an attraction. Remember Satan studies us when he tempts us. He had been watching Joseph. It was, his, it was the depths of his desire to tempt Joseph. He knew that God had a plan for him as God has a plan for you. And if he could just get Joseph to fall right at the beginning, he could destroy God's plan. It was a temptation. She was beautiful. But what does, Josh, what does Joseph do? Verse 8 and 9. But he what? What did he do? I want you to think back this week. The last time Satan came to you this week. How many of you are willing to admit that the devil's been to visit you this week? I'll put my hand up and say he's been to see me this week. Come on. You're not dead out there. I can see your eyes open. How many of you had the devil visit you this week? Let me see your hands. Well, we've got a few people who tell the truth in this church. The rest perhaps need to work on that. He's been to visit us all. I wonder the last time he visited you this week whether you refused. The Bible says Joseph refused. With me in charge, he's told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then, he cuts to the chase of the matter, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? The Bible says that though she spoke to Joseph day after day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or to be even with her. You've got a young man here with the testosterone, did I say that right? Up. How do you say it? Help me out. Testosterone. It's up. He's a young man. He's got plenty of energy. And this beautiful woman comes to him as a young man day after day. Not only does he refuse, he avoids her, he stays away from her, he does not put himself in a position where he can be tempted. And again, I wonder this morning, do we do that when the devil's attacking us? Do we not only avoid it, but do we stay away from it so far that he cannot even come near us? That's what he was doing, that's what Joseph was doing. He's saying so far away that the temptation couldn't even get close to him. Now look at this. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. 
She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. This is how Satan works. He will try to tempt you. He will slowly turn the heat up until it is boiling and he will literally try to force you into the sin. That's what he's doing here with Joseph. She grabbed his cloak and said, come to bed with me, but in his desperation to get away from the temptation, he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Do you know how the story ends? Potiphar comes home. There she is, his beautiful young wife, with the cloak of Joseph in her hands. She accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. Now Potiphar was the captain of the king's guard. He was a general in the army of Pharaoh. His word, as was Pharaoh's, was life and death. Have you ever thought about this? What would Potiphar have normally have done to somebody who was a slave who tried to rape his wife? Have you ever thought about that? He'd take him outside, he'd take his sword out of his belt and he'd decapitate him. That's the sort of culture they lived in. But you know, Potiphar knew Joseph. He had to maintain his integrity and you find Joseph is put in prison. In prison, what happens to Joseph? He keeps going ahead for God. Wherever the devil tries to lead Joseph, wherever he hits him, wherever he tries to to drag him down, Joseph rises up because he follows God. Cream, they say, rises to the top. And Joseph was cream. And he ends up in charge of the jail, would you believe it? Finally, he's let go from jail. And you know the story. He eventually ends up number two behind Pharaoh in the entire kingdom. Have you ever wondered what the captain's wife thought? Have you ever wondered that? She's alive, right? And here's the man that she accused of rape, second in command to the Pharaoh of Egypt. I don't know what happened to the captain's wife. In fact, I don't know what happened to the captain, but I tend to believe that Joseph, who had the Spirit of God living inside his heart, just moved on in life. Amen? I don't think he would have revisited them. I don't think there would have been any revenge. Because Joseph followed God. Now you know the story, right? You know the story? You know it well? I'm asking you, I'm I'm not going to. You know the story? Look at this. We can study these stories in the Old Testament. They can thrill us as we look at the faithfulness of the men and women in them. But I think we need to bring them down into 2006. What does this mean to me? Follow the pattern here for a moment. Don't, we're not far from finished. Don't, don't turn off now. Look at this. Joseph was honoured by his father, right? We're looking at Joseph, Jesus and you. Joseph was honoured by his father. Jesus was honoured by his father. Are we correct? Am I correct? And you are honoured by God. As Seventh-day Adventist Christians called to share the three angels' message, you are honoured by God. Amen? Amen? Amen. We have something in common here with both Joseph and Jesus. Let's follow this on. Joseph 
brothers were jealous. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were jealous of Jesus, correct? And I want to tell you this morning, and if I had more time I'd unpack this, I'd take you to the spirit of prophecy, the writings of Ellen White that make it very clear that Satan is intensely, deeply jealous of you. Why? Because you are saved, because you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because you have a chance of salvation and he does not. And so it is his object to take you down if he can and he does it for no other reason than he's jealous. Satan was jealous of Jesus from the beginning. Satan was jealous of the relationship Joseph had. And Satan is jealous of you as you sit in this church this morning. He's jealous of the opportunity you have to be with Jesus and to live for eternity. Follow it along further. Joseph was sold into slavery. Jesus came into our dark world. Do a study on what Jesus did when he came from heaven to earth. He came from glory to slavery. And he did it because he loves you and me. You, whether you like it or not, I, whether we like it or not, are born into slavery. We're born into sin. We're born into the darkness of this world. But slavery is not an excuse. Because you follow this as we go on. Number four, Joseph was tempted, correct? Jesus was tempted, right? Can you see the parallel between Joseph's life and Jesus? Are you seeing it? Joseph was tempted. Jesus was tempted. Go and read Matthew chapter 4 and see the the glorious confrontation between Jesus and the devil. Jesus was tempted and guess what? So are you. Correct? Jesus, Joseph, us together. We all have something in common. Joseph was victorious. Amen? Jesus was victorious. We are... There's a question mark there. Because the story of Joseph is over. The story of Jesus on this planet is over. Your story is now being written. Jesus overcame, Joseph overcame. Will you, only you, and God can answer that question. Joseph was imprisoned for his faithfulness. Jesus was crucified for his faithfulness. Correct? Look at the parallel. Ellen White talks about this parallel between Joseph and Jesus. We, the Bible says very clearly, some of you may be now, if we are faithful to God, if we are victorious when the devil tempts us, that will not be the end of the trouble because the Bible tells us we too can be, will be, some of us most definitely are facing it, will have to face, will have to have in our lives persecution. Am I right? Yes, look, Jesus... Jesus was persecuted, Joseph was persecuted, we too will be persecuted. Joseph, as he came out of the persecution, saved Egypt and his family. It's a good story, go and read it. How Joseph was brought by God to be second in charge of the nation so he could prepare the nation for how many years of drought? Seven years of terrible drought where the the Nile did not overflow its banks, where no crops were grown. It was Joseph who in the preceding seven years filled the silos and the barns of Egypt full of food and he saved the entire nation of Egypt together with his own family because of his faithfulness. You stop to think about that for a moment. If Joseph had not been faithful, if he had fallen to that temptation with the captain's wife, 
then the entire nation would have perished. Israel, because it was Joseph's family who were the ancestors of that great nation of Israel, would not have existed. There was a lot at stake in the temptation of Joseph with the captain's wife. And there is a lot at stake. When you are tempted by the devil, there is a lot at stake when you choose to either listen to the devil or to have victory through Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, Joseph saved Egypt. Jesus praised God because he overcame temptation, because he stood tall and was faithful to his God, saved the world. Amen? We are saving, and again this question marks there, because your story is still being written. Your story is now being played out. Joseph was honoured and became a ruler as he overcame the temptation, as he was victorious, as he saved Egypt, he became a great ruler of Egypt. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God as he went back to heaven after he had fought the battle and won. He was victorious, he was again honoured by his father. And we will, question mark, if we are faithful, if we overcome, if we are victorious, we too will be honoured by God and reign as rulers and priests. I close this today by saying each of us, at some stage or another in our lives, has to face the captain's wife. It may not be a beautiful woman. It could be your honesty at work. It could be your faithfulness to God in coming to Sabbath school. It could be as simple as that. I don't hear too many amens on that one. Thank you, Ben. It could be a real woman, men, or a real man, women, who tempts us outside of our marriage relationship. It can be anything that the devil throws at us. But in each of us, in each experience we have, We face, am I right, the captain's wife. And we choose today whether or not we are going to be seduced by the captain's wife or whether we are going to follow the great captain of all heaven, Jesus Christ. It is your decision. And I pray this morning that you'll make the decision that Joseph did to be faithful and to be loyal and to follow God no matter what the cost. Let's bow our heads. God... We thank you for being here this morning in this church. The story of Joseph is a thrilling one for us. If only, Lord, we could be more like Joseph. If only, God, in our experience, we could be more like you. Give us the wisdom to see you, to spend time with you, to overcome sin through you, and to be victorious with you by our side in our hearts and in our minds. This is our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The captain's wife, I suspect she's in the lives of all of us. We all have weaknesses, sins that the devil throws at us. But with Jesus there is absolutely nothing that the devil throws at us that we cannot overcome. Invite Jesus into your heart. Have him as a part of your experience in life. And when the captain's wife comes to visit you, overcome her, avoid her, run from her with Jesus leading you. God bless. Have a good day.
太多。